Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, my name's Erin Richards, and you are listening to Next Level Radio. It is time for another annual issue of DC Primetime, and with the addition of Gotham being added to our lineup of shows, we're going to do a Gotham annual. This is Gotham annual number one, recapping the first season of Gotham. Uh, But before we go any further, of course, we have to do some introductions, welcoming you to this issue of DC Primetime, starting off first. I am Ben Beck from the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network. And I am Rob Martin from Caffeine Crew. And before we go any further, we have something that we want to uh, we want to bring to your attention. Uh, Rob, you know what? You're the one that created this, uh, so I will let you. I'll turn it over to you for a second. Okay. Well, so uh, this past week, as we were just releasing uh, the last episode that we just did, uh, our little gold or silver age spectacular, I think we we commonly joke about it now is. But um, one of the things I realized that we needed to do was. I think me and Ben both hate getting stuff up on Twitter sometimes and Facebook and promoting the shows um, because it's just fun to do it. And a lot of you actually have found the show on your own. But we do realize we'd like to engage with everybody a lot more. So one way we thought we could do this is obviously just making a simple Facebook page. So if you would like to get involved, we made it drastically easier than having to email us, find us on Twitter, any of those things, because there is no proper DC primetime spot on twitter it's a next level radio or caffeine crew so it can go out to a thousand and one things so all you need need to do at this point is just go over to facebook.com slash dc primetime uh and there what you're gonna see is you'll see a obviously just a normal page uh pinned to the every top of every episode it will be for not episode but the top of the page will be a link to the current episode and you'll actually be able to start following the news stories throughout the week now because as we find them we are going to post them there um we may leave off a couple but usually um every day or monday through friday at least i will be spending at least 20 30 minutes going through all the news stories and just pinning them to that page um and then in addition to you'll be able to find out if there's anything specifically like delays in the recording of the show um so it's just a good place for you to be able to respond. We'll be doing polls as far as rating the shows as they happen between our little side hero and legend. Um, but it's also just a really simple way for you to get in touch with us. There's a little button there right there, too, to email us directly. You can message us on Facebook as well. So um, we just like to be a lot more engaged with everybody because we know there's a couple hundred of you that listen to the show regularly. Um, and sometimes it gets up to you know, thousand so or over a thousand so yeah we well, thought I, this is an easy way to do this well not only that too but i mean it's facebook is a lot easier because twitter limits us to a number of characters which sucks um especially when you want to throw in you know hashtags or we want to tag other people then you're pretty much cutting your character 
your your character usage in half, which kind of really sucks. So um, Facebook is a good opportunity for us to post our opinions and polls and things like that. And for and as Rob said, for you to interact with everything. So um, uh, we did have the Next Level Radio Facebook page and Caffeine Crew obviously has their Facebook pages. They're still going to exist and we're going to cross promote with them. Uh, but as far as this show goes, DC Primetime now has its own Facebook page. Thanks to Rob. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We've already got a number of likes on it already. Uh, but obviously we want you guys to like it as well. So as Rob said, uh, facebook.com slash DC primetime head there, uh, give us a follow. And of course you'll be able to interact with everything. And, um, you know, obviously we're going to post what we thought of the episodes every week when the shows start back up, we're going to recap the, the pod, the, uh, the podcast and issues every time they're up, we're going to, we'll post our recommendations and everything as we usually do with the podcast. And this is the opportunity that we want to hear from you. Give us your recommendations. Give us your rating of the show because that's what makes us different is the fact that we have differences of opinion. You don't have to like what we say, um, but we like that you listen. So that's, yeah, I mean, if you know, we rate something very high, tell us we're morons on the page. We're not going to, we're not going to be angry about it. The only thing we ask is people don't start flame wars on there. Um, it's meant to be a place for your community. But like you said, please voice your opinion. It doesn't have to be ours. Uh, just, we just ask people to do it respectfully. And that's about it. Um, but, yeah, we would love people to get more involved. And it's just a great spot to be able to do that. So, um, you know, say what you will about Facebook. But, again, it doesn't limit what we can say, um, which is why we thought it's the best course of action. Yeah, exactly. So, so but, yeah, um, just definitely find us over there. We'll bring this up again when we actually do our normal plugs when we close out. But, yep. We, so we should probably, I guess, swing over into Gotham Season 1, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so like our previous uh, annuals that we have done before with Flash and Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, and Arrow, uh, we're going to do the same thing with this as we have done with other ones in that we're going to run through. We're going to give you our favorite and least favorite moments, our favorite and least favorite characters of the show, favorite and least favorite episodes, uh, we're going to rate the villain or villains in this case for uh, for the series. And, of course, at the end, we're going to give you a rating of the season, at least our opinion of our rating of the season uh, being uh, one through ten. Also, which equates to the sidekick hero and legend, as we usually do. So, so we uh, we take it another step just a little bit further with uh, usually we do the hero sidekick or sidekick hero and villain. So, damn it. You always do that. I know I do. <laughs> sidekick. As many times as we've done this, you'd think I'd know this by now. But um, sidekick, hero, and legend of the show. But we also give it a 1 to 10 rating as well. So we go a little bit more into detail rating of the season. And I'm going to warn everybody right off the bat, too. Uh, Gotham Annual 1, this episode specifically. Our, our talking points on Gotham on this season specifically might be a little thinner than our other previous annuals because me and Ben both watched this quite a while, like while back. So it's not as fresh, but when we do the second annual next week, um, that'll be pretty much more what you're expecting from our normal annuals, but we will do our best to kind of remember and jog our brains a bit. Like I went over a lot of the points I'm sure Ben did as well. Uh, and a lot of it's kind of coming rushing back, but, um, so it's it might be a little bit more off kilter than usual, but I think uh, the content will be pretty pretty well, close to the same. <laughs> well, it's not only that too, but I mean, we kind of binged through Gotham because we had fallen off of it the first time around in the first season and didn't start right. it until the second season had ended. So 
we kind of went through and binged the first season into the second season, so they kind of blended together a little bit. Um, had this been last year, we could have done the Gotham Annual right after season one, and everything would have been fresh in our minds, and things wouldn't have been blended together, like I said. And and then season two, when we do the season two Gotham ne- uh, season Annual number two next week, uh, things are a little bit more fresher from recently having finished season two. So... Um, so yeah, like we said, like Rob said, apologies ahead of time if things get a little muddled. We of course do our research, so we know certain things uh, that happen in season one, and we'll probably talk a little bit. We might delve a little bit into season two, but we're going to save that for next week. Right. Um, and actually, don't you know, real quick because Ben, I'm curious for you. you. We both mentioned we both dropped off on this show. Where and when did you drop off watching this originally? Um. So I have a system when it comes to new shows and. I actually fell away from that system when it came to Gotham. My system with with new shows is I give any new show three episodes. Any new show that I'm that looks interesting to me, at least. I don't do it for every show because I wouldn't have time to watch to do anything. Um, I give any new show that I'm interested in three episodes. I give it the pilot and obviously the two afterwards. Uh, my theory, my reasoning behind this is that a pilot. Um, you know, obviously the producers and everybody want the pilot to be strong. And a good majority of the time that actually is the case. The, the, the pilots are very strong. So with a pilot being as strong as it is, the second episode isn't always necessarily going to be as powerful. So I expect a little bit of a drop off into the second episode. But if you're not starting back on an up arc again into the third episode, I drop it. Gotham's the exception because I gave it a couple extra episodes because they really, really wanted to like it. Uh, because obviously I'm a fan of Batman and, and, and the lore and the mythos behind it. So I think I gave it around five episodes. And it still wasn't grabbing me right away. So I think I stopped right after that. Okay. I think I kind of gave up. I think it was episode four. Um, I think I got like halfway through the episode. Um, oh, again, it just like you said, it wasn't grabbing me. And I wasn't quite sure my thoughts on the show. I had a lot of original issues with all the characters being there. I I thought it was kind of over the top and silly that every villain in Gotham already was there. And most of them were related uh, or dealing with like two or three major characters from the Batman mythos already. And it kind of threw me for a loop, but I wasn't quite sure how I felt about that. Yeah. Um, And that kind of pushed me away. Like I was like, you know, these characters are drastically older than they should be some of them some of them are drastically too young um you know why is there an origin for every one of these villains before batman really even exists uh and it just changed up way too much that made me feel uncomfortable about the direction of the show and i kind of just stopped um then uh fast forward maybe close to like eight or nine months after season one had ended uh i think uh actually no not even uh i think season two just started and um, one of the things that I was having a conversation with somebody that's been on the show, which is uh, our friend Chris Mannix and uh, his girlfriend, who Ben and I are both friends with. And they were like, no, Gotham got really, really awesome. And there's some really amazing characters. Um, and they were like, give it a shot. Go back to it. And when I did, I was like, yeah, I think I did the exact same thing I did in Arrow. Arrow, I was not quite sure how I felt about it. And went back and ended up really loving it and enjoying it. That's kind of exactly what Gotham did for me, too. Yeah, I I correct myself. I actually gave up after episode six. Uh, And I bring this up for a reason, but I'll get to that in a 
in a little bit when we're going over this. Okay. So, uh, but let's jump into things. And uh, obviously, other than our favorite and least favorite moments, characters, and everything, I'm sure we'll talk some other side notes about um, about Gotham as we go through. But let's start with our favorite and least favorite moments from the show. Um, you know, things that really made us really start to get interested into the show and other moments that kind of were just like, eh, I don't know why I'm still watching this. Um, let's start with, you know what? No, I, I'm going to change this up. We're going to start with characters because I think okay. the characters are going to go into moments in particular, why we didn't like moments and why we liked moments. So let's start characters first. We'll change things around a little bit. Let's go with, I think... We're just going to start with the least favorite character because I, without even talking about this, I know we're on the same page. Well, I think everybody that has ever seen the show is on the same page. Yeah, don't even uh, have to. I, I don't have to question this. Worst, worst character, least favorite character of the show. Uh, I'll let you reveal it. Who is it? Oh, Fish Mooney. Fish Mooney. Oh, <laughs> she is a hard, hard character. She is one of the, and it's a shame too because the actress that's portraying her, like Jada Pinkett Smith, has done a lot of good things. Yes. Um. This character feels like we just needed diversity for diversity's sake and somewhat of a big name somewhere in the show because a lot of the actors were relatively unknowns. I mean, there's obviously people that everybody know in this, sh- this show as well, like, you know, Sean Pertwee, um, you know, like is an amazing job as Alfred. I mean, you know, Robin Lord Taylor, a lot of these people were known, but not at the forefront. You needed kind of a big name attached to it. Well, and- even even Robin Lord Taylor, Robin Lord yeah. Taylor really... Um, hadn't he's done a couple projects, but people didn't Smaller, know who yeah. he was until he did Gotham. I actually knew him. I've known him from uh, an episode of Walking Dead. He's in a, a movie that I absolutely love called Accepted, where he plays ADD. Um, and it's funny because when I actually met Robin Lord Taylor, I brought up Accepted, and he like the smile that appeared on his face, like you could tell he loved making that movie. So even people like Robin Lord Taylor. It was still a relatively unknown at this point yeah. when he started Gotham. I mean, I think your big names that went into this, aside from Jada Pickett Smith, was uh, Sean Pertwee and Donald Logue, who played Harvey Bullock. Uh, and aside from that, everybody else was kind of under the radar. Um, so I think that was one of the big reasons why she was there. Um, and I think also, too, it was to actually add a little diversity to the cast because there wasn't much of any diversity at all in the first season if you really go back and watch it and it makes you wonder why they thought it was necessary to add this third kind of pseudo mob boss into the mix because there was already a really good compelling mob story in season one so and then i I gotta say too just personally her cadence in the way she speaks i understand what she's trying to do in an homage to somebody specific uh she always came off as like a third or fourth rate Eartha Kit knockoff from yeah. um, the old 66 Batman. Uh, and like, it's the, the way she spoke. It felt like she was trying to try, trying to channel Eartha Kit and it was coming off horrid and she kept doing it. And you saw it less and less as the season progressed, but in the front half of that season, I think she, she realized she needed to stop and it kind of cut back a bit, but she kept it because that was something she built her character upon and it just made me want to punch her every time she opened her mouth. <laughs> well, I her, hate her. Her character was totally overacted. It was campy. I mean, and I realized that this is a show that it, it kind of messes with different t- 
time periods in one. It's kind of a amalgamation of, of different time periods. So you have a show that they're using modern technology, but has a very 1920s feel to it with like 1950s like automobiles and sets. It's it's a really weird mesh of different things. But somehow with all of that monogamation and all that mix of everything, her character still didn't fit. Like it, it's the way she spoke, it was too street. It was too like modern day gangst modern day like um uh like modern day hood. Um that it just did not fit with the show, which is very difficult to do when you figure they're touching base on a bunch of different things. And I think that they did that so that it was very easy for characters to fit into different storylines and things like that to make them fit in there easily. Yet she still couldn't do it. Um, I will say, however, uh, one moment of Fish Moonies that I actually enjoyed um, and it was more probably because of the fact that it was physical pain to herself uh, was when she gouged out her own eye. Oh, the doll maker stuff. Yes. Yeah, uh, that, the doll maker plot line I thought was somewhat interesting. Um, more specifically, her direct interaction with the doll maker. Um, the underground stuff and the breakout near the end of the season was I'm like, please just let this be done. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that sequence I thought was interesting. Uh, I, that was, I think, her strongest moment. I definitely agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but the rest of the plot line that was all around there of her getting, you know, stuck on that little island and, you know, trying to make it back to mainland and all that crap. It was just kind of like, why have we done this over six episodes? This is unnecessary. Nobody cares about this character. Why are we spending this much time? Um, and it just drove you up the wall. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but other than that, there really wasn't many characters I grew to hate um, as much as I did Fish Mooney. Like, I just... Oh, I was so, like, thankful by the end of that season uh, because of the fate of her character. And going into season two for a second, I was slightly disappointed again. But we'll get to that next week. Um, let's switch gears and talk about some of our, our, our favorite characters and some of the best characters. Because I actually have... This was tough for me. Actually, it was for me, too. There's a lot of people I love in this show. Yes. Uh, this was tough for me. So... I have it narrowed down to two, and I have a couple runners-up. Obviously, I think that Robin Lord Taylor is fantastic as Oswald Cobblepot. This is a great rendition of Oswald. I think he does it perfectly, especially later on into the season when it kind of goes into the uh, the mama's boy slash psychopath dual personality kind of Oswald Cobblepot, which I, I love. Uh, I mean, the moment he gets his first kill is, like, is amazing. Um and I think Alfred is a fantastic character as well. I really grew to love this version of Alfred, um, you know, having a military background. We know more as to why Alfred is the way he is. Um, you know, where the other Batman films, they make him simply a butler. Like, this show gives him character. I mean, it's, it's you know, they build him. They give him a backstory, which I loved. Um, but as far as my favorite characters go, and we'll see where you stand after I'm done with this, I have it narrowed down to two for my actual favorites. Um, I actually loved uh, 
I, I don't want to play favorites and say Drew Lynch because we've met Drew and or I've met Drew and he's an amazing guy. I love his character and so, but he's not there. Hold on, real uh, quick. You could just refer to him as Drew Lynch. Uh, <laughs> Drew, well, Drew Powell. Drew Powell. Drew, oh, Drew Lynch <laughs> is a comedian. <laughs> Sorry, I do that all the time. It's okay. It, we record these on Sunday mornings, so we're we're not really firing on all cylinders. Some mornings, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but no, my favorite. Sorry, I had to look up the actual actor's name because I couldn't remember it. Um, I had an arrow down to two. The first is actually uh, Corey Michael Smith as Edward Nigma. Yes, yes, he, yes. He is so good at playing that awkward character especially when you see him in real life um uh and you see how he is in real life because it's two opposite ends of the spectrum and not only that but even later on in the show when nigma himself kind of gets that inner personality and they're two night and day characters they're two completely different characters so i i think he does an amazing job of portraying uh nigma but uh Dinal Logue as um as harvey bullock i love bullock I, yeah, I, Donald, Donald Logue is – he's a great character actor, and he – when they cast him originally and before the show started, I'm like, oh, that's an amazing choice. Absolutely amazing choice for Bullock. Um, yeah, I, I, I got to totally agree with you on that. That was – that he is wonderful. And he was a character that I thought in the beginning of the show was kind of a dick, and I was like, well, I mean, he, he is. He is. He remains a dick throughout the course of the show, but – he was a dick that I was like, oh, God, I'm going to hate this character so much. And then you start to realize that he's not one of these crooked cops. He's he's done his share of bad things when it comes to it, but he's never done anything so bad that he couldn't be redeemed for it. And when he finally realizes that Gordon is the real deal, he comes around and he starts to help. And that's what I loved about his, his character is like he is a character who has earned redemption. Uh, and he's still continuing to try. Still has his moments, but he is still he's. You can tell he's trying to be the good guy, and I love that. Oh yeah, uh, for me, I actually we're, we're very close in the same vein here. Um, I'd say mine's a direct toss up between Robin Lord Taylor as the Penguin. I think he does so, such an exceptional, exceptional job as Cobblepot, um, and it's a take that I didn't quite expect when the show started and. His story was so much fun to follow. And I think I kind of give him the crown as far as that uh, for for me personally for this season because every time he was on screen, I was so captivated on what the hell he was about to do next. Because I just – there were moments you just had no idea. Sometimes it was clear as day what was the next step. And sometimes you're like, he's just insane. I have no yeah. idea what he's going to do. But the fact that he was able to play every side and did it beautifully, the cops – uh, the dirty cops, the the good cops, both sides of you know the the mob war. I mean, he pitted everybody against each other by the end, and managed to take over the city. It was impressive to watch somebody that was a nothing, that was like I said, basically not a, a glorified gopher for honestly for fish, and that was it. That's all he was. Like he, you remember starting off in the beginning of the season of him getting the shit kicked out of him in the alleyways by yeah. the other other people for making dumb mistakes or just because they love to pick on him. And I love it because one of the last moments in season one is him standing on that ledge screaming, I'm the king of Gotham. It's his Titanic moment. It is. And it, it, it worked so well. Like, watching his story 
it was interesting because one of the things I was kind of iffy about was, I mean, I think Ben McKenzie does a great job as Gordon and all, and him and Bullock's story together were, are fun to watch. But anytime they flipped it to paying more attention to the Penguin story, you, you immediately became more glued to the show. So I definitely got to give it to him. Um, my runner-up, obviously, was Corey Michael Smith, but I think you may see him take the crown when we talk next season. Yeah, yeah, that that's definitely for sure. Um, all right, going into uh, moments now that we, we kind of steered away from for a second, but now we'll go back into it. Uh, our favorite moments and our least favorite moments. Um, let's focus on some of our least favorite moments for the show, and then we'll go back into some of our favorites. Um I this was difficult for me. I I really I'm looking at my notes now and I have nothing listed for my least favorite moments. However, before we started recording, you named one or a series of least favorite moments. So I'm going to let you take the reins on this one because I agree with you 100% on what you said. All right, so least favorite moment of the season is any scene that Fish Mooney is in. She <laughs> is I hate her. I've never hated a character on a show more in my entire life. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, with the exception of the whole Dollmaker storyline where she gouges out her own eye, that was really one of those moments where I was watching. I was like, holy shit, that just happened. And you're like, please bleed to death. Please bleed to death. And I'm like, god damn it. But yeah, no, um, straight up. I, I, it feels like every scene she's in, even the other actors are rolling their eyes as she's speaking. Like, it's just like, stop talking. Just go away. No one wants you here. <laughs> and again, it has nothing against the actress, but it is against the actress's choices of portraying the character. Yeah. And especially it's a character that there's so many more unique people around. Why are we wasting time on this original character that is boring as sin? I mean, and it's like you said earlier on, too. I think it, she's an original character played by a a you know, a top pros- top prospect actress. And it's like you said, I think it was done for the sake of um, bringing in the viewers. Let's put somebody on screen that people know, uh, you know, that we can get a hold of to actually play this role. And, you know, I mean, and now it also means that husband and wife are both part of the DC universe at the same time. That's true. Um, but, um... And they'll never meet, unfortunately, because it's television and and film uh, and two different. Well, I don't know if they're different time periods or not, because you can't really tell with Gotham when the actual time frame is. We actually it's well aware because obviously this is a very young Bruce Wayne and Will Smith as Deadshot is Batman full on. So these are two different time periods. Hey, it's OK. Maybe in season three, Jaden Smith will come in and play baby Deadpool. Oh, God. So, yeah, Deadpool. I, I really hope not. You mean Deadshot <laughs> or Deadshot? Deadshot. Sorry. <laughs> It's like Deadpool. I'm I'm, I'm apparently I would, what you do. So yeah, I would like to see that <laughs> baby Deadpool. Actually, I don't want to see Jaden Smith as anything, even though I think he's supposed to be playing Hypershock or or somebody like that. Or, Hypershock, I, Static Shock, Static Shock. That's it. See, okay. I did it again. Oh my god, yeah, it's one of those days, folks. I'm yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm I kind of agree with that as well. Like there was. Uh, just anything with Fish Mooney, I, I just I couldn't really care with. And I think that was one of the things I struggled with in the beginning of the show was the fact that, you know, they focused a lot on Fish and there was no reason for it. Like, yeah. I understand why they did it. It, it set up the, the mob and gangster mentality of Gotham City. And I understand why he did it. But you could have had Falcone and Marconi doing that without Fish. 
Yeah, because you those really are because those are characters that we know from the Batman mythos, so we're familiar with them. But uh, especially I, Falcone, because Falcone's character—he was actually kind of in my runnings for favorite character. Um, he was such a unique, interesting character to watch because, I mean, again, he was in the background of it all, but like there was a massive sense of honor to this mob boss, and you know, even when you see him briefly in season two. You're just like, oh, that's awesome. I'm so happy to see him again, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was – they could have done so much more uh, just focusing on the two of them and their rivalry. It would have been cool to see. Yeah, exactly. And I'm trying to see the the actor plays um, uh, Marconi because I've um, I've recognized him. He was also in Dexter, uh, and he so he's done a bunch of character work too. So, I mean, it's not like – um, there weren't actors in this show that I didn't recognize. Oh, yeah. Um, so we didn't need a big name. I actually prefer it sometimes when we're seeing things like this that we get people that we don't recognize. Or don't, yeah, don't know as well because it, it makes them embody those characters. And you're not thinking of the other role that they do when they make a line. or like, oh, that's a nod to when they were in this or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we're you're, not. We're you're not... thinking of them purely as the characters that live inside this universe. Yeah, we're not comparing them to other characters that they've played before. Yeah, I mean, I, I see for the most part, the cast show was top-notch, like absolutely top-notch. You know, sort of the same way that people relate Ben Affleck to Daredevil before he was cast as Batman. Like, right. it's, you know, it's it's kind of that same thing, just on a lower level because of that. Uh, but let's go now into some of our favorite moments. And there were a number of them, but there is one that absolutely stands out to me as probably one of my absolute favorite moments from this show um not just in this season but probably in both this is one of my favorite moments i've seen so far from the show it stands out so much episode 16 the blind fortune teller this is the switch that gets flipped in jerome when he is being interrogated by gordon and he just goes off the mark and just this is the moment that you are seeing. Now, it hasn't been revealed yet. This is who his character is supposed to be. But it's very obvious. It's, this is sort of the direction they're going. This is the first moment of the Joker in this show. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I'm, I'm still not sure myself as well because, you know, you've had the staff of this show come out numerous times and saying, well, this is kind of like the proto version of the character, but not like really Joker. I mean the way they kind of brought it up is him kind of showing the twisted side of Gotham. And I kind of hope they walk that back because I'd like to see this character become the Joker. Um, and I wish they would just embrace that at this point, but they seem like they're afraid to do that. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And I also heard something um, along the lines that um, they may focus more on the idea of the, of the, um, the Joker being more of an idea rather than an actual person. Like, it could be, like, a mantle that somebody takes up, uh, rather than it being one person that portrays it the whole time, which is an interesting concept, uh, but I think is maybe difficult to work. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also, you're walking a tightrope when you discuss that idea, because this is one of the most loved uh, villains in a lot of literature. I mean, if you want to call comics that, but, I mean, I... I I would say yes. There's been so many amazing stories told through so many years, um, like 80 years of comics, basically. Yeah. Um, and I think 
you know, if you look like IGN or anybody at these top t- like, like top 100 villains countdowns that they do every couple of years, the Joker is usually number one every time. And there's a good reason for it. So I think you have to be very careful. You have to do this spot on and right. I mean, one of the most important parts of this character is the mystery of who he really is. Um, so I think actually giving that person a real persona uh, from prior to that role is is a a rope you may not want to walk. You know, yeah. it's it's I, I can understand why they want to do it the way they did. I know I, a lot of people loved you know the eighty nine Batman growing up, and they're like, oh, the Joker's actually this person, and everybody believed it for the long time because they said it in a movie. And then as people became more you know versed in the characters, they're like, oh no, that was something that they made up for this movie. And it's fine. It's just if you're going to spend as much time building it, you got to choose by now, by the time season three kicks in, they have their, their Bible for the season. They need to make this decision and how they're going to do this. Because the longer and longer they stretch that on, the more and more unbelievable it's going to start becoming. Yeah. And I mean, and, and I can tell you right now, the actor Cameron Monaghan plays this role fantastically. Like, even to the his facial mannerisms, he, he, he's believable as a Joker. Um, I'll tell you what I would like to see is obviously the the show Gotham is more focused on the city itself rather than the character of Batman. But, you know, we do see a very young Bruce Wayne in the show and there are hints and moments that he is he it, it's starting to lead into the mythos of why we believe of why we know he is Batman. His parents have been murdered. Uh, he lives in the house with Alfred. He's he's now starting training and things like that. What I, I could tell you what I would like to see is if this show follows the same kind of path as Smallville. Um, Whereas Smallville was more early days of Clark Kent into Superman, Gotham is more the city itself and not so much Bruce Wayne. Um, I would like to see if this show ends, you know, goes a little bit off and lasts a while. Uh, I'd like to see this show kind of wrap up the same same way as Smallville, where we don't see Bruce Wayne revealed as Batman until the very end, if if it lasts that long, because... The actor is still a kid, so he obvi- very obviously he couldn't be Batman as of yet. Um, but wait until the end to reveal Jerome as the Joker, if that's what it's going to be. Build his backstory, but don't ever reveal through the course of the show that this is who he is. Yeah, save it be, to the be end. Wise. I think yeah. that would be the cool thing to do. Yeah, save it to the end. Uh, but what about you? What are your, some of your favorite moments uh, from um. the show? You know, I, I got to say, one of my favorite probably was Ed Nigma killing Officer Doherty uh, when he was out fr- uh, out front of, uh, you know, Chris, uh, Kristen Kringle's apartment. When you finally see him snap. Um, because, you know, his story through this was so interesting to watch because he was, you know, madly in love with this one girl at the office. And, you know, you could see them having a spark kind of start. But, you know, you have this douchebag cop that kind of picks on him and makes his life a living nightmare. And also turns out to be an abusive boyfriend. And, you know, Ed's honestly a very likable character in season one and in season two. Uh, Season two for very drastically different reasons. But season one, he was actually a pretty pure character that was just trying to do the right thing. And in doing so, uh, a heinous crime. And watching him kind of, that's where you see his dual persona kick in. Where you see this very stronger version of him like mentally, you know, even though it's kind of schizophrenically, but um, kind of start coming out to play where it's just kind of like, well, we need to save each other's asses here. So let's find a way to dispose of this body. And then you can have the girl that you've been wanting forever and make this work. Yeah. And it was so interesting to watch Corey Michael Smith's portrayal of Edward Enigma. It was so awesome to see. 
Um, and that was a really strong, powerful moment that made me love this character more and more and more. Um, it's kind of funny that we're talking about these insane people, these murderers, and we feel emotionally connected to them. Um, and I think that's what what's so telling about Gotham as a whole is Batman's rogues are all so unique, and most of them are what they are due to tragedy. Same as Batman. They're meant to mirror that. So it makes this show work so well because they're all likable in some way, shape, and form. Um, but, yeah, I think Ed's the character that the most fun to watch uh, next to Penguin. Um, and very specifically, I think this was his kind of crowning moment when you saw him really become who we all expect him to become. Yeah. And I think you brought up a good excuse me. You brought up a good point, too, in that we're you know, we're getting emotionally attached to these these crazies, you know, these insane people. Uh, and I think that's one of the, the the great strong points of this show is the fact that. You know, when you watch the movies, you know, when you have like Batman Forever with Two-Face and Riddler and, you know, uh, Batman Begins with Penguin and all them, these are kind of one-offs. We we get a quick backstory on them and then they go into the main plot of the film. So you kind of write them off by the end of the movie. It's like, okay, another bad guy is gone. But when you watch this show, you're not, you're now, you're you're becoming a part of these characters' lives. Um, you know, you're learning about them every episode as the day go, as you know, the weeks go on, and that's why we become emotionally invested in these characters. Where to the point where, like, I don't think we'll ever see Nigma killed off. I don't think we'll ever see Penguin killed off because these are these are characters we know are big, you know, characters in the Batman mythos. So they're they're going to survive to, till the end. At least I'm assuming Gotham could throw a wrench in there and completely throw us off. Um, but these are characters that at this point, if they were to be killed off or anything like that, we'd probably be upset about it. So I, I, I agree completely that we're becoming emotionally invested in these characters and I'm loving it. I think it's, a, I think it's a real strong point of, of this show. Yeah. Uh, I, I gotta say too, my other favorite moment easily is Fish Mooney getting killed. <laughs> yep. Uh, I would agree with that completely as well, <laughs> even though season two, spoiler alert, completely undoes it. Uh, bastards. So angry. I remember watching on Facebook and Twitter um, when that popped up and everybody was like, oh, this show is so good. And they're like, oh, they killed it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I, I think I had just started into season two and I was like, oh, the show got so much better. It's awesome. What? What is this? Wait, what? No. Why? She's co- no, no, don't do it, <laughs> you bastards! But no, I mean, I, I it doesn't ruin the show. But at the same time, you're like, ah, oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. So, um, uh, so yeah. So let's now go into the episodes, as you know, we we've kind of been going into a little bit already. But uh, some of our favorite and least, well, our favorite and least favorite episode of the season. We'll start with you on this one. What do you think was your least? favorite episode of this season well i was kind of tied like i i kind of mixed this up a little bit there is i would say season one episode number three which is the balloon man episode which was dumb as could be uh and then uh episode eight the mask um a lot of times in this show especially in the first season when they start giving a lot of interesting nods to uh, some of the characters are like, oh, this is exciting. They're about to do this character and this one. And um, a little nods to this because in the pilot, I mean, Christ, we feel like we see half of Batman's rogues in episode one almost. It's It feels a little crazy, and that was one of those moments that I was like, I'm not sure I'm okay with this. Um, 
But it got to the Balloon Man where it felt like they didn't know what to do with the show too much. Um, and you have some random dude running around the city tying people to weather balloons and shooting them up into the, you know, the upper atmosphere. <laughs> and, you know, them just eventually falling back down and just squish. And it was just dumb. <laughs> it was just so dumb. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't know what to think because I'm like, okay, I can see where they're going with the show. Um, I'm adjusting. And then they did this and we're like, it's episode three. Did they already run out of ideas? Oh, crap. The show is screwed. Um, and then, you know, I think I watched another episode or two after that. Actually, I believe I watched up to episode six originally when I come to think of it. But when I did come back to the show, there was an episode called The Mask, which was them kind of doing the Sionis family, um, which was played, I believe, by Todd Stashwick, um, another big character actor when you see his face in that. Uh, very interesting to watch. And uh, But they're kind of doing a kind of craptastic version of Black Mask. I mean, it seems like it's the father of Black Mask because uh, Roman Sionis is the one that we all know to be that character, and this is Richard Sionis. Um, but it just... Everything they did with that, it just didn't seem to work as well. Um, and I think those those two episodes really tie, me, tie up together what I thought was probably the biggest bore of season one. Yeah, and I mean, and you mentioned, you know, episode three and earlier on. I, I agree with you on that one with the balloon man. And I think that's one of the reasons why I struggled so much uh, when I first started watching this show is because, I mean... If I wasn't as invested into the Batman storyline as I was, by that episode, you know, giving my initial three-episode arc that I usually do, Balloon Man would have sealed fate on Gotham right away. Uh, but because it was Batman and the Batman mythos, I continued on with it. I, I struggled through it. Uh, and I think I gave up, as I mentioned, like, I think, like, halfway through episode six was when I really gave up on this. Um, but honestly, like, I, I felt that the show itself... Throughout the entire run, not just or th- throughout the entire run of the first season, not just in the earlier ons, I, I do admit the show started to get better uh, by like episodes like, uh, you know, like seven, eight, nine and ten by like halfway through the season. The show did start to get better, but I think the show kind of struggled to find its footing throughout the entire run of the first season. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it was it definitely had some it, it wasn't really really strong until the second season and I think this was because it was a show that really didn't know what it wanted to be yet like they knew they wanted to focus more on the city but I think in earlier on in the show they concentrated too much more on um like Batman easter eggs like they wanted to do things that were familiar to people from Batman rather than actually create a plot and a story um which you know, again, halfway through the season, they finally started to do that with Carmon, with you know, Car- uh, with Falcone and um, Marconi, and, and that story bringing in James Gordon and everybody else. Who Gordon was in from the beginning, but you finally got to, you know, into his character and, and Oswald. Um, I feel like I'm rambling, but you know, as strong as the season started to get by the end, I was a little disappointed in the finale. Um. I, I felt that something that was slowly starting to find its footing and get bigger and bigger, I think it kind of fell flat at the end. I expected a little bit more. There were definitely some great moments from the finale that I enjoyed. Fish Mooney for one of them. Um, but I felt like the finale could have been a little stronger. So I was a little disappointed in the finale. Yeah, and I definitely agree with you on that too because I think 
one of the things that you really see, and I'm kind of just skimming through the episodes, um, you see a hard shift in the show right around episode seven. Um, I think that's when we started. It was like, well, it was like episode seven, episode ten is when we stopped seeing these weird one-off characters like the balloon man. Um, they'd had that spirit of the goat episode, which is number six, which was kind of that first idea of a vigilante when the balloon man was another vigilante kind of character. Um, because the balloon man was like a social worker that was killing corrupt people and corrupt cops. Um, and then the spirit of the goat was just as dumb. Um, and then you saw that with like the, there was that Dick Lovecraft story, which is where I think one of the things that caused Jim to get kicked off the force um, all these little things that they did, but those characters just didn't make sense. And then right after that, you see this hard switch to the characters that have been a focal point of the show thus far, instead of bringing in these weird characters. Instead, when we saw something new, it was ties to iconic villains. Like you saw episode 14, 15 kind of being the scarecrow stuff, which was awesomely done. Um, they did a really nice job with, uh, how they did the scarecrow in the show or the, Again, proto version, because I think proto, unfortunately, is the one thing that we, we're going to constantly talk about when we talk about Gotham's annual one and two is it's the beginnings of these characters. Um, they're not quite who we expect them to be yet, and it's a nice build up. But it, then they did smart things too, like the Red Hood gang, like all these wise ideas that make sense in this mythos, aside from bringing in these random characters that really aren't going to move anything forward. Yeah. Um, it's funny, too, that you bring up uh, Episode 7. Uh, this is kind of switching gears now into some of our favorite episodes of the season and some of the best episodes of the season. Episode 7, <clears throat> the uh, Penguin's Umbrella, easily favorite episode of the season. Uh, and the main reason because of that is because this is when I was kind of sold on the show. This is when things really started to click with me um, and actually starting to enjoy the show. I struggled through the first six episodes. Like I said, I stopped halfway through episode six and I, it got to the point where when I went back and I started over and I was rewatching and I got to episode seven, re remembering that I stopped halfway through six because um, episode six, the end of episode six is when it's revealed that Penguin is still alive. Um, it's when he walks into the precinct when I think they're getting ready to arrest Jim for the murder of Penguin. And Penguin walks in. I didn't get to see that because I stopped um, halfway through the episode. And then, of course, going back and rewatching everything, and I watch episode seven, I was like, wow, that was a really good episode. Why didn't I stick it just for one more week? And I, I wouldn't have had to go back and get caught up with the show. Oh, yeah. I, I Actually, the funny thing is, going back and just you talking about it, I'm like, that's where I gave up as well, was episode six, Spirit of the Goat. Yeah. Because that's where I'm like, this is going nowhere quick. But, I mean, it's, it's a big reveal that... You know, episode seven is the one that really revealed a lot of things uh, from the first six episodes. It's where we find out that, um, you know, Oswald knew that Jim was going to let him go. So, it, you know, they were going to from all the way back from the pilot <clears throat> um, or Oswald tells Carmine to let Jim kill him because, you know, it's, it's going to test Jim's morale. Um, you know, you find out that, you know, he's been working for Carmine this whole time. And, and it's there were so many good reveals from that episode that I felt still throughout the entire run of the first season. I think that's one of the strongest episodes of that show. And like I said, had me that was when that show had me hooked in. Yeah, uh, I got to say for me, mine's actually two episodes. Um, and I know that's not normally the way we do it, but they, they go and play so hand in hand together. 
Um, episode 20, Under the Knife, and episode 21, The Anvil or the Hammer. Um, this is focusing on the fall of Barbara Keene. Mm, yeah. And they did such an amazing job on this episode. It's uh, Again, this is the last, I think, the first time since early on in the season that we see this new villain type, uh, which is the Ogre, uh, played by uh, Vila Mentiglia from uh, Heroes. And just a serial killer, a straight-up serial, serial killer that's testing Jim Gordon. Wait, wait what did you say his name was? Um, it's Milo I, Ventimiglia, but I don't oh, think God, that... I did it the other way. <laughs> yeah, I think you said Vilo like, yeah. Ventimiglia or something like that. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. But yeah, um, but anyway, so it was him testing Jim in the most insane way of kind of like, you know, wanting to track him down, kill this cop, like this one decent cop, uh, and in doing so, uh, kind of falls for Barbara Keene and manages to absolutely break her, like, in a way that none of us expected in this show, like, at all. Like, I didn't see, you know, you know, obviously her splitting off from Jim midway through the season and then being on the road, like, oh, Barbara, this is the namesake of Barbara Gordon. This all makes sense. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, she just killed her family, and she willingly did this. She is batshit insane. Yep. Um, And they did it so well, though. Like, it was such an engaging story. It was this ca- uh, cat and mouse game that was played so wonderfully well. And I absolutely adored those two episodes. And that actually, I, actually, I thought was stronger than the finale. Um, I know we were waiting for this big mob war that you, like you said, kind of fell flat. But these two episodes were awesome. Yeah, they were I, so well done. Yeah, I can see that too. I agree with you on this. Um, and it's funny because we met, we didn't meet him. We saw him at Heroes and Villains Fan Fest in New Jersey. We saw Milo Ventimiglia there, and this was before I had actually started uh, going back and rewatching episode one. So when I saw he was there and he was, you know, he was next to Drew Powell and he was with, you know, a bunch of these other people from Gotham, I was like, oh, when does he come into Gotham? And then I finally watch and he's only in for two episodes, but he's, those are two damn good episodes. Yeah. So I got to, I mean, like, I got to say them straight up off the bat. Yeah. Super cool. Uh, before we get into, uh, you know, rating the villain and rating the season as a whole, uh, obviously there's a lot of nods to Batman and the Batman mythos. There's a ton of Easter eggs and things like that. What do you think some of your favorites were? Cause I have, actually, I have two. Uh, actually one of the ones I actually had me giddy when the show started was there was the episode, I believe I want to say episode five, uh, which was called Viper and it was Damn it, that's going insane in the city and it's the like I said, again, I hate to use this all the, uh, all over this, but the proto version of Venom, what makes Bane, uh, and I'm like, this is interesting. This is really cool. It's them testing this street drug that it later becomes this thing that of that powers this massive villain in you know Batman lore, the guy that breaks Batman's back. It's like you know that that little swing moment in the '90s where like we have to bring in the readers. What do we do? Let's kill Superman. Let's cripple Batman. And um. And while, you know, we look back at them now, they may not be the best stories in the world, but they brought us very unique, interesting characters that lasted very, very strongly up until today. Uh, so I thought it was awesome that they, they messed around with something like this. Yeah, that was one of mine, too. You, you, you took it. Um, but I, I do have to say, too, though, that one of my other favorite uh, moments from the show, and it's one of my least favorite episodes and being the finale, which I kind of which kind of fell flat, like I said before. Um, but the reveal of what could potentially become the Batcave. 
yeah, uh, at um, the end of the episode. I thought it was a really cool moment, and I was like, oh, all right, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I have two other small ones. Um, one of them is uh, very blatant, but unfortunately the characters just kind of disappear, and I kind of hope they do something about this come season three. We see Crispus Allen and R- Renee Montoya uh, in bits and pieces through Goth- uh, Gotham season one. Uh, we never see them in season two, but Montoya and Allen are incredibly important characters in the GCPD. Um, Crispus Allen later becomes the second Spectre after Jim Corbin. Um, and Renee Montoya later becomes the question. Um, it was a shame that they just kind of dropped these characters. Like, we've seen the focus from GCPD really shift away from the start of the show, um, which is what I was kind of hoping it was going to be. It was Gotham Central as a, as a TV show. And I'm like, do it up. I would love to see this. And then you lose focus of two characters that should have been almost as equally front and center with Bullock and Gordon. And, um, but it was still nice to see them there. Uh, yeah. The sec- yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, too, it's funny that you bring that up because when I was going through and I was reviewing everything and I was looking at episode seven, which was my favorite one, that those two characters are very important to that episode, too, because they are the ones that save Jim from Zaz. Yeah. Um, and that was the moment that you realize, OK, these two are lies to Jim and Bullock. So um, and you're right. And that made me realize thinking about it. I was like, wait a minute. I don't remember seeing them in the second season, and you just confirmed it, that they're not. They're not in the second season at all. Uh, the other one is very subtle, but I love that they did this, and I don't know if anybody ever noticed this, but do yourself a favor. Gotham is on Netflix. Go to episode number nine if you get a second, and there's an episode that's it's just called Harvey Dent, and it's the first time we get to meet the assistant DA. Every time that they show the character of Dent on screen, Half of his face is always covered in a shadow. Every time you see him on screen in really? the show, every time you see him, I with the exception of that. his appearance in season, his appearances I've seen him in season two. But every time you show him on screen in that episode, half of his face is always in a shadow. Just in that episode, uh, you see it a lot. Every time you see him forward, not every scene, but at episode specifically, uh, and the majority of time you see him on screen. You do see that as well. But I love that they did that. Now I need to go back and rewatch that parts of that episode because I didn't pick up on that at all. Yeah, I mean, there may be a shot or two, but I would say 90%, 95% of his scenes, they always play with a light a little bit in his shots, hmm. which was awesome. I think it was a really cool, subtle little touch. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do with him, if he even ever becomes Two-Faced throughout the course of the show, because I think it's Marcone that that does it to him is it not uh yeah well it was marcone originally i believe uh in the old books uh it was during a court case but well yeah marcone is long dead at yeah this point. so that's yeah uh, dies be, in the finale so yeah. so i'd be curious to see that uh how that comes about if it ever does in the show yeah so um all right so getting ready to wrap up everything that we've been talking about with this annual um of course how we usually do we we rate the big bad or big bads in this case and then we give the season itself a uh a rating is there anything you think of uh, from season one before we do this though that we should talk about or focus on uh i gotta say young bruce wayne young selena kyle are also breakout stars in the show we haven't talked about them really at all um I am incredibly impressed, especially watching him go through everything he did in season one, season two especially. But 
these kids are phenomenal. They, they are. do such a wonderful job. And I don't think you hear enough people give them praise. Um, uh, David Mizzou, I think it is, is how you pronounce the actor. I uh, think plays so. Young Bruce Wayne. Um, it's just exceptionally well played. And you see what is normal Bruce Wayne in this kid so incredibly well. And he does it without being cheesy, uh, like kind of that annoying child actor. He's got such this strong, fierce look on him at points in time. And I love those little moments where you're like, oh, that's him trying to conquer his fears here and here and here and all these little things and having this drive to do what he's going to do. And I love just watching him and Alfred play off of each other because they have such an amazing bond on screen. And they play it so well. And it's the fact that you can watch Alfred kind of mentally break and realize this kid is just, he's gone. There's nothing left of it, this this kid here. And he's like, I have to do what I can to kind of help protect him. Yeah. As he becomes whoever he's going to be become, uh, actually ultimately become. And they get that storyline across so beautifully well. Yeah, I mean, I and I agree with that too. Like, I realize that obviously the city is more the focus, less than Bruce. But, um the the Bruce and Alfred dynamic together is so well done that um, it almost makes you wish at times they would kind of shift and focus more on them. Yeah. Um, but I think they're giving us the right touches when it needs to be there, and they make sure he's actually not even in every episode. I love that they're like, well, he's been gone. I'm like, well, he's like, I was in Switzerland. I was at my summer home. He is a million, uh, you know, this billionaire kid. I mean, you know, he's getting away from the the grit of the city and when every time he comes back there's a little bit more of him gone every time well i mean if you look at the casting though i mean um he's he's in every episode him yeah, and well, alfred he... are both in every, in every episode yeah I, I think i might be thinking of season two i don't see him in a, a couple spots here and there again this all kinds of kind of blends together but no i yeah. mean even like if you look at the number of episodes each cast member has been in oh, okay. they're all um uh, uh bullock bruce wayne alfred Surprisingly, no, something can't be right because Barbara Keene's not in every episode. Yeah. There's been one or two that she – maybe they're just talking about episodes that they're credited and not actually – Yeah, I think it's, it's credited in because they're all credited in every episode. Yeah, so, so, all right, so you're mean, probably like, right. But, yeah, they just do such a great job. And I, I got to say, if you've been on the fence about the show, it's it's well worth your time and it, patience. It might be a little struggle in the beginning. Um, but, again, it's a show that's worth your patience. And, and it pays off, yeah. It, yeah, it pays it off sitting through it. Um, all right, so let's go into uh, rating the villains. And when we do the rating scale for this, um, for those of you new to DC Primetime, when we go through and we watch the episodes each week, uh, before we break them down, we start with our rating system of sidekick, hero, and legend, um, where they fall. But when we do our annuals, we actually go into a little bit more detail, uh, and we rate uh, still he, uh, sidekick, hero, and legend. But we also give them a 1 to 10 in that 1 through 3 is sidekick, 4 through 7 is hero, and 8 through 10 is legend. Uh, you brought up a good point that there are actually a couple people who can be considered villains in this season. I was sticking it straight to Fish Mooney, um, which is probably a bad idea because she's a horrible villain. Um, and in that note, she gets a like a 2 sidekick from me. Um, but you also mentioned uh, Oswald Cobblepot could be technically considered a villain because he is and uh, was it carmine falcone was uh, the other no one? uh don maroney don maroney um so we'll focus more on them because i have a feeling your your fish mooney would probably be very low on my end too i might even be giving her a little bit of credit by giving her a two 
I, I actually went with, uh, I, I'm creating a new ranking for, oh God. for this one. <laughs> so we have Sidekick, Hero, and Legend. And I'm going to go, she gets about a negative three. And I'm going to say that's Bat Cow. Oh, my God. So, because Bat Cow does exist. All right. <laughs> it does. Um, all right. So then let's go to. Um... It's the sidekick's sidekick. So. <laughs> Let, let's go to uh, Don Maroney uh, as a villain in this show. What ranking or what rating would you give Don Maroney as a villain? Um, I would say I'd give him a hero. Uh, and I'll give him actually kind of like a right mid-tier hero. I'd give him uh, a six. I think he's interesting, but he doesn't hold a candle to who I would say is the big bad of the season. Uh, same boat. Um, I think he's he's a great character. Uh, very important to the storyline, obviously. I think he has some very stronger moments throughout the season, but definitely some ones where he's just kind of like, okay, you, you wrote him in. That's good. Um, so, yeah, I'd give probably a five. So he's a hero for me as well, like pretty much right there in the middle. Yeah. Uh, but I, like you said, who you just said you think is probably hands down the, the villain of this episode or of this season, rather. Uh, Oswald Cobblepot. What would we give him as well? And I think I know where you're going because it's probably wrong, right along the same lines as where I am. Well, out of Bat Cow, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend, um, he's definitely getting a Legend. I actually would say I'd probably give him a nine. Uh, he is one of the most engaging villains I have ever seen on screen. He is played so wonderfully. He does everything humanly possible that you didn't even think he did. And when it all plays out, you're like, that's brilliant. Everything he does in that show is spot on. And like even when you see him kind of in season two, his little bit of a fall from grace, it's still amazing to watch this guy on screen. Like Robin Lord Taylor just does his character such an incredible justice. Okay, yeah, I'm, I, I don't think there's really anything additional I could say to that. Um, I think one of the things that we, we kind of neglected to mention um, is there is Hollywood royalty in this show, and we're not talking Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, but with Robin Lord Taylor, his interactions with his mother, uh, played by the legendary Carol Kane, mm-hmm. um, I think are great. I think they're so fantastic because, like I said, that's the dual dynamic of Mama's Boy to Psychopath. And which Robin Lord Taylor portrayed brilliantly throughout the course of the show. So I'm I'm right there with you. I think it's probably a, a he's a strong legend. Um, so <laughs> Bat Cow to sidekick hero. <laughs> Excuse and me. I apologize. Bat Cow is a character I think, uh, or a little nod that I actually it is fun. Um, I feel mean saying that that's the low end of the totem pole. So maybe more like Bat Mite. So that's better. That's who I was thinking <laughs> of, and I couldn't think of the name. Um, <clears throat> Bat Cow is Excuse at least me. endearing. Bat might because kind of makes you want to drop kick him sometimes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's it's a nine for me uh, for yeah. me as well. Uh, so I think the highest highest villain rating we've ever given. Um, well, we I, had who have we had so far? We obviously well, we had um, Nod we, or Non and Non, yeah, and um, we've had Non. We've had Damian Dark. We've had Zoom. Um, We've also had, oh, my God, uh, Randall Savage. Randall Savage, yeah. Randall Savage. Randall Savage. Randall Savage. Randall Savage. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Um, 
All right, so wrapping things up, obviously, with this, we're going to rate the season as a whole, season one, uh, trying to not to take into consideration what we've seen from season two, which I think was pretty difficult. Because, um, again, I watched them back-to-back, so they kind of tied together a little bit. But same rating system, one through three being sidekick, four through seven being hero, and eight through ten being legend. Uh, season as a whole, season one, what is your final rating? Uh, it gets a hero. Um, it gets a strong hero. I would actually give this a seven. Um, the front half of the season, just like Arrow season one, uh, really was struggling to find what it was going to be. Uh, it had a couple shaky moments um, still going throughout the season, but there's a good there's good bones to this show. There is a really good structure to the show. They they really seemed like understood coming out of the mid season break what they wanted to be, and it was it was fun uh, and it was a great uh, mob story really. And it was engaging, and it made you want to tune in after you got over the little uh, the hump. So I will definitely say a seven. Definitely room for improvement, but definitely worth your time. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I equate this to kind of like, and as any show does, it's running a race. I mean, and you have to, there's going to be moments where you slow up. Uh, this is a show that definitely had trouble finding its footing in the very beginning and still never really found solid ground throughout the entire run of the first season. It had some moments, definitely, where it, it gained speed uh, because, it, you know, it seemed like it, it, it hit solid and the stories were great. So it definitely propelled the season full through. But I think even by the end, it still hadn't completely found solid ground. Um Going into two, obviously, that's a completely different story that we'll get to next week. But I think this first season as a whole, it's a hero for me as well because I definitely enjoyed it and I agree. Um, it's worth your time, especially if you're a fan of Batman uh, and the mythos behind it. But uh, it's a six for me. I think it's um, I think it's a solid first season. Uh, once you get past the, the hiccups in the beginning, uh, it, it's solid. So it's a six hero for me. Okay. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for the the Gotham Annual. annual yeah, number I'm actually one for really Gotham. looking forward to uh, watching um, the last remaining three episodes I have of Season 2 this week. So I will be ready for next week. Good. So. I hope so, because otherwise I don't, I don't want to have to do this by myself. Well, we, ha- we have a couple extra days. Well, actually, i got to get done earlier, because me and uh, my wife will be going away on Friday and coming back late Monday. So, but yeah. So, Are we uh, recording late next week? Yes, we are. Remember, we brought this up. Oh, we did. I don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> scheduling for podcasts because there's like you know there's so many podcasts on the network now. Scheduling is yeah. I get mixed up once in a while. So what we we will most likely be recording the second annual on Tuesday of next week. So it'll be probably coming up either late Tuesday night, if not Wednesday morning. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit late, but it uh it works. So I'm I'm not complaining at all. Yeah. Um. So let's get ready to wrap things up with this issue as we usually do. We'll throw some news your way and then make some recommendations as well as our cheap plugs. Uh, So let's throw it over. Rob, I'll throw it over to you. And what is new with news in D.C. this week? Okay, so getting started, um, there's a little show we've been talking about, a little bit in pieces in the last couple months called Krypton, getting developed over at Sci-Fi. It's a show that none of us asked for and none of us really want, but they're making (laughs) it anyway. So um, this is our first piece of casting news for Krypton right now. It looks like Georgiana Campbell has been cast as Lita Zod. Uh, Lita Zod is a military cast family. Obviously, everybody knows that last name Zod, so they're kind of sticking with the Man of Steel idea that Zod, uh, the Zod family is... You know, some of the military generals 
in Krypton's history. So it looks like we're going to be seeing, I would assume, probably the granddaughter or like, well, the grandmother, I would assume, of, of Zod. So, uh, and it does state here again that she is a daughter of a general. So, yeah, big, big surprise. And I'm wondering how many times in this series we're going to hear Neil before Zod. Hopefully none. Oh, um, God, I don't even know if I'm going to watch this show. I'm not going to lie. I'll be honest, more than likely the show will not appear on DC Primetime uh, unless it turns out to be absolutely amazing. But right now, eh, not too, not no. too interesting. We've already seen a Superman backstory for 10 seasons. I don't know if, I'm, if I want another one. Right. And especially not even a Superman backstory. It's like his, not even his father's backstory. It's his grandfather's. Story. Yeah, like, I, yeah. So it's all good. We're, I think we're gonna skip past that one, but we obviously will talk about the pilot when that does indeed air. Um, so next up is Telltale Batman episode two. Children in Arkham has a release date. Thank God. I can't wait. Um, I finally got to play it. Uh, well, actually, after we wrap up news, I want to hear hear your thoughts. On okay. This. Um, so that is coming out on September 20th. So be ready. If you haven't played the first episode of the season, do so now. Um, it's awesome. And I'm really excited to see where it's going to go. Uh, moving over to Supergirl, we have some new official images of Ty- Tyler Hotchman yet again in uh, the actual show dressed as Superman. Um Again, I think they uh, they realized their mistakes in uh, that first initial promo, and now there's some new shots that are official from CW that are appearing, I believe, in Entertainment Weekly. So you can check that out over on their website. Uh, in addition to that, though, too, we did see some new promo shots for The Flash, very specifically seeing Wally West dressed as Kid Flash, actually interacting with Barry Allen dressed as The Flash as well. So very kind of cool to see. Um Moving into the editions of TV Talk here, we have new promos for not just Gotham, but also Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, the Gotham Season 3, subtitled Mad City, the new promo is out, and it looks like it's showing off what appears to be an early version of Killer Croc. Uh, kind of an interesting take, but uh, hopefully we'll see a little bit more of that. But it was a quick, so it's kind of hard to tell. And as far as Legends of Tomorrow, we finally got a full promo for that. And with the appearance of Stargirl a girl in a really fast action scene. And there's a couple of nice screen grabs out there. If you get a chance, check them out. The suit looks perfect. Absolutely perfect. Um, sticking into Legends of Tomorrow, we finally got a little bit more concept art for the new Vixen. Uh, it looks like a little bit more streamlined version of the suit that we saw in Season 3. Oh, no, like Season 4 of Arrow. Um but yeah, um, not too much to talk about on that one, but it does still look pretty cool. It makes me a little excited to see her joining the ranks for Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, and it, what really kind of appeared out of nowhere this week was a story that broke, I believe it was midweek, about yet another DC Comics superhero show currently in development by Greg Berlanti. Oddly enough, not a show any of us expected, but the character of Black Lightning, which is a character that has appeared on the Justice League a numerous amount of times. So very curious to see what happens with this. We may actually have a full five days of DC comic shows coming. Now, is th- is this going to be a live action or is this going to be an animated? Live action. All right. All right. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, uh, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, we can we can see you know an African American character take center stage for this, which would be cool as hell to see. I would love it. Week long uh, crossover. Oh my god, I can't wait! Bring it on! <laughs> Come on, CW, don't fail us now. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty pumped to see what they were going to do. Originally, I thought this was going to be animated, and then uh, there was another confirmation that this is indeed for a live action show. So. Um, 
So also sticking into the realm back to to Supergirl, we have casting now. A uh, Frederick Schmidt has been cast as G- uh, John Corbin, aka Metallo, uh, who will be appearing in Supergirl season two. There was some shots a couple weeks back where we said it looked like Superman was battling what looked to be a human version of Metallo uh, on the streets of Metropolis. And this was, I would say, going back about four weeks. So I have a feeling that this means we're going to see him probably originally in the start of the season as the traditional human. An accident happens in this fight, and we'll see him kind of turn into the android kind of uh, cyborg-y character that we all know. In all honesty, I kind of hope that this whole thing with Metallo and what we've seen uh, from the images of Superman fighting Metallo... I kind of hope they really only use this in Supergirl as an introduction to Superman um, and then Superman coming into the Supergirl story because Supergirl is a show in itself, you know, it's titled Supergirl. I don't want to see most of the focus on Superman. I want to see most of the focus on Kara. So I, I would like to see maybe this is an instance where, you know, before we've even met Clark and before we've even met Superman, you know, he kind of calls out to her for help. She comes to help him with his battle with Metallo, and then that kind of wraps up, and now we're on to the Supergirl story. It's an introduction to to bring Superman into the story, into the fold, and then that's it. I don't want to see Superman versus Metallo in Supergirl. I, I mean, unless it involves Kara. Well, we're definitely going to be seeing it. I'm sure it's going to involve Kara, but I wouldn't be surprised maybe if if they're actually bringing out the casting of the actor that's playing this character, which is apparently this is his one of his first roles. Um, uh, Frederick Schmidt, I believe, I said. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe they're going to build Metallo up to be one of the big bads of the season, which could be cool. Uh, and you don't have to have Superman involved in it, but have Supergirl going toe-to-toe with a Superman villain? Oh, well, that, that I'd be fine with, too. Yeah. I just don't want to see most of the focus on Superman. Yeah, and I, I, have, I have a feeling this is going to be more as building Kara's rogues as some of the Superman's rogues. And I think that'll be okay. I think that would work okay. Um, so also kind of jumping over real quick over to Flash news. Jesse Quick has been 100% officially confirmed to be suiting up in Sin 3. I can't wait. Uh, there is no photos out there, but there was a couple people around the set of Vancouver that did indeed see the actress in costume. Uh, unfortunately, no photos are out there of it again, as I mentioned. But... This does confirm our hopes and dreams that we are going to see two new speedsters this season. So, very awesome. Um, also, as far as last season three is concerned, uh, we did find out a little bit of the direction of the season. Uh, more specifically, that it's going to involve a lot of psychological warfare, more than likely between the Flash and what we did see of Reverse Flash and Flashpoint, but also between Doctor Alchemy. Um, and then, but ultimately, though, while the psychological warfare will be very, very you know, prevalent in the show, the season's going to have a much lighter tone than they said that of season two. Um, and the main theme that they're stating that this season's going to be taking is what it means to have powers, which I think that's the right call. Um, we did see a kind of a darker take season two. Um, and I think season one was a, a lot more lighthearted. Season two got a little heavy at times, but it was really awesome. But I think this is this makes the most sense. Uh, at this point, in the direction for the show. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Ben. I'm okay with it. I mean, to be completely honest with you, I like the idea of um, 
I mean, they say the show's going to be lighter in this season than it has been in season two. But, I mean, I didn't really find season two that dark, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, it definitely had some darker moments, uh, you know, with the death of his father and and such. But it's, um, you know, and focusing on, you know, revisiting his mother. But I didn't find it that dark that we have to come out and say this season is going to be lighter. Well, I think maybe it's the idea of, like, Zoom was very much a sociopath. I mean, and a psychopath. Uh, so, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, now that I think about it a little bit more, there was like that whole moment with all the the police officers in in the in the precinct. You know, when Zoom runs through and kills them all, and um, you know, so yeah, I guess there are, there definitely were some darker moments to this season yeah. that I, I really thought of. But I, I will tell you honestly, the every time we do an episode or an issue of DC Prime Time, and there's news of the Flash in there. Um, it makes me want to go back and rewatch seasons one and two. Every I've been time. doing. I've actually started doing that recently. I think I might start today. Now that we have this extended Labor Day weekend, I think I might. It's time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so okay, uh, jumping over to Arrow real quick. David Maynor joins Arrow as Ishmael Gregor. Uh, some of those people out there that are familiar with these comics may recognize that name. Uh, that is the demonic character Sabak. Um, but more specifically, we're going to see him not probably as that character that we know from his later years, but more in the flashbacks. And it seems like he is going to be one of the Russian mobsters Ali is dealing with in the flashback stories prior to him coming back to Starling City uh, before it comes to Star City. So uh, also as well, a bit of fun news out of Stephen Amell. Uh, looks like he's looking to compete in the 2017 American Ninja Warrior. It's something that he's actually been kind of kicking around for the last couple of years. And it looked like at a recent convention, he asked uh, the crowd what their thoughts were. And he, it kind of pushed him over the edge to say, yes, indeed, he wants to do it next year. Obviously, this comes hot off of uh, Jesse Graff, who is a Supergirl stunt woman, uh, to come out and just destroy the course. What was that last week? Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think it was last week on uh, American Ninja Warrior, and I think he just recently came out. I think it was Toronto Fan Fest this past weekend. Yeah, I think that's where this happened. Yeah. So, uh, and then the last two pieces of news we have for the week are actually going over to the movie universe. Specifically, it looks like we now know who one of the villains in the Batman will indeed be. That being Deathstroke, which was awesome to see. Give me one second here. <laughs> Ah, sorry. Um, so as far as Deathstroke, there was this little video that appeared. Uh, I believe it was originally on Ben Affleck's Twitter. And a lot of people were kind of trying to figure out what this was. Was A lot of people were wondering if this was had to do with uh, the Arkham uh, VR game that's coming out. Because it was a very similar design to what we saw in Arkham Origins. Um, but indeed, it looks like this was taken on the set of the Flying Fox, which is the, the main transportation for the Justice League. So it looked like it appeared in the hangar. We did get confirmation that is indeed part of the new Batmobile that is over his left shoulder, I believe, or right shoulder specifically. Um, but yeah, we're, I, I think everybody's mind is, is he going to appear in Justice League? If so, that would be kind of awesome. Uh, but it at least will probably confirm that this is probably our big bad for Batman. And the last piece of news I have this week is Luke Evans. Um, may indeed be our next version of a live-action Sinestro for the Green Lantern Corps film. There's already a couple cool shots of people doing some mock-ups of them, which look phenomenal. Uh, if you look over our Facebook page, I'll make sure that's linked over there, at least before the end of night, uh, end of the night on Monday. But, uh, yeah, that kind of wraps up everything for this week. Uh, cool. Um, 
one thing I want to say before we get into what I thought of um, uh, of Batman, the Telltale Batman, and we do a cheap plugs is uh, I don't think we brought this up last week, but I think at this point uh, when we recorded last week, this had happened already. Um, we just want to wish um, good luck to our friends Brian and Sean over at DCR because they've uh, they've shut down. Yeah, um, uh, they're uh, mainly the main reason, as I know, uh, if you haven't listened to them or haven't checked them out, you, you can still go back and listen to their old episodes. It's an amazing show. And they didn't say they're done for good. It's this could just be a very, very long hiatus. They have no yeah. idea what the future may bring for their show. But uh, it's a shame to see them wrap up. But uh, I know Sean's work schedule was getting pretty intense um, and it was just making it almost near impossible. And we, we do know from what they said in that episode and just from talking to them personally uh, a couple months ago, I mean, their prep work for their show is intense. They were saying sometimes it was five to ten hours to do each show just because they had so much to do, so many notes to take. Uh, even if you go over to check out their their website, uh, Sean actually listed an outline for one of their unused recent episodes that they never gone to. And it's just intense to see how much they write every they wrote every week. But yeah, we do wish them the best of luck, and we're still hoping to get them back on, even if it's just to pop in and just geek out. But uh, you know, um, obviously that's going to be when their lives are a lot more easier. So, but yeah, we wish them both the best of luck. Yeah, I mean, and like you said, it's a, it's a lot of prep. We know that full well too. I mean, because I mean, we're taking on at least an extra hour of prep every week uh, just with the shows that we watch alone. Um, you know, we have five shows that we have to watch every week. So, I mean, we're doing about five hours worth of prep every week now too. Uh, yeah. But and I mean, that's not even including our time that we do to take notes and, and, and figure out new store, find new stories and everything else. So, I mean, we definitely know exactly what they're going through. We definitely know how it, it has to fit into a schedule and completely understand why they're taking the break that they are. But I mean, again, we wish them the best of luck and hopefully we'll get them. We'll get to have them back on here a couple times throughout the course of this next season. Yeah. So, but yeah, so, uh, but definitely go back out. If you get a sex, uh, go over to uh DCR, uh, DCR podcast on Facebook and just shoot them a message and just be like, you know, you guys were awesome. Uh, if you have, have listened to them um, and uh, just uh, kind of wish them well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I we mentioned this a little bit earlier on. I did finally get the chance to play uh, Batman, the Telltale game. And man, I loved it. I thought it was so cool. I thought it was so much fun. Um, I, I loved the fighting style, was it, which was d- definitely different from any of the other Telltale games that I've played before. Uh, but, man, I had a blast. I can't wait until the second episode comes out. Yeah. Um, so what did you think of, you know, because it's been long enough, the other episode's almost out. And uh, as far as spoilers, this show is a spoiler show. So we did tell, I'll talk to a lot of you about this. So if you don't want to hear a little bit of more discussion about episode one, you know, maybe fast forward for like, let's say a minute starting now. Um, so what did you think of the Penguin reveal? Um, I'm trying to remember the Penguin reveal, to be honest well, with you. He was he met up with Bruce. Uh, the oh, yeah, yeah. Park. OK, yeah. that's right. Um, in the park and, and everything like that. Um, very I, different take on the character. Very Robin Lord Taylor. Yes. Actually. And that's exactly what I thought. Um, it's very similar to the to the penguin that we are getting to meet uh, throughout the course of the, the run of Gotham. So it's very much a more it, it's a it's a penguin character that's more based in real life rather than a a physical penguin or a mutation, kind of like the Danny DeVito version that was played uh, in the film. Uh, so I'm, I'm enjoying it. I like these characters that are better set in real life rather than, you know, these kind of, again, mutated kind of characters. 
But so. uh, yeah, it's it's, it's fun. Uh, well, our minute's actually just about up anyway. So, um, so, so yeah. yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll get a chance to dive into that a little bit more. We'll do uh, we'll do a little refresher on episode one right before episode two does come out. Because actually, the fun thing about that is based on when we talk about that, we'll be able to talk about that and Gotham. Uh, season three's premiere yes. at the same week because that is one day after the premiere. Yeah. So uh, I will make sure I uh, at least get a chance to play episode two right before that episode so we can actually talk about both. And happy. I will make sure I will do the same instead of waiting a couple weeks before finally playing it. <laughs> so, so what's your recommendation this week? My recommendation for this week, since we are focusing on Gotham, obviously, and the mythos of Batman, and I'm hoping I'm not stealing yours. I don't know if this is a recommendation we've ever done before. If it is, I apologize, but it's very fitting to this. Uh, I am actually recommending going back to the 1987 Frank Miller uh, novel, Batman Year One. Huh? Good. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely... Um, you know, Jay, again, similar to Gotham, James Gordon is the character uh, with Batman debuting throughout it. So it's um, I, I think I, I think it's a great little nod to Gotham. Obviously, differences in the story, but I think you're going back to the beginnings of Gotham in the show Gotham. Batman year one, you're going back to the beginnings of Batman and Jim Gordon meeting as well. So I think it's a great recommendation for this first yeah. season of Gotham. And I will recommend to, for people to read that one. Don't watch the animated version of that. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, the animated version, because so much of it is in Jim's head uh, and Bruce's head at times, that it's um, when it got translated to animation, and while it does look gorgeous, it feels off and it lo- loses a lot of what made that book so great. So, uh, so yeah, that's a read don't watch. Agreed. So, um, for me, actually, I'm because we're talking about Gotham. Uh, us, obviously, aside from prep for next week, everybody for season two of Gotham, which I know is not on Netflix yet, but uh, I know there's a couple episodes still out there on Hulu. You might be able to watch some of that on Fox somewhere. But uh, I gotta recommend, honestly, there's a wonderful comic series um, called Gotham Central. Go back and check some of that out. I want to say it was early two thousands. If my you know brain is running properly today which it probably isn't um but it's an amazing run it is kind of i think what the basis for that actual series was going to be and kind of what my hope was it did kind of shift pretty drastically away but it's it's one of those things that is very very unique and this was originally started up by ed brubaker who is one of the main writers over at marvel uh that it did the current captain america that everybody loves so much and greg rucka who is an, also another amazing writer who is now back over at dc writing wonder woman uh and actually this kicked off originally back in december 2002 there's 40 issues just read the first arc or two i guarantee you will love it because it's a big focus of just the cops batman is in it very minimal um and it's them dealing with working in a city full of insane people and these horrendous people. I mean, it's just an awesome, awesome, awesome series. Yeah. And it's so well worth it. Uh, I mean, and you'll see a lot of uh, classic characters in there, like Maggie Sawyer, who's actually joining Supergirl, Christmas Allen, who we just brought up, Renee Montoya, uh, and, you know, obviously Gordon. So uh, it, it's it's just a fun book. Cool. And then obviously you'll see Gordon and Bullock. Uh, is re- reoccurring, but it's more the smaller costs that we don't talk about too much. Yeah, that's a good recommendation. That was actually one I was looking into this week as well at the same time. 
but we're going to get ready to get out of here and wrap up this issue. But before we do that, obviously, we will mention our cheap plugs, starting once again with our brand new Facebook page that we highly encourage you to go to. You can follow all the news stories. You can check out the polls. You can interact with us uh, so much more than you've been able to, you know, rather than email us and tweet at us and things like that. Now you can do it right directly on the Facebook page. And I are very active on that page, too. So if you post on there, you can expect a response from one of us, if not both of us, pretty quickly. Yeah, um, you'll, you'll see me a lot more active Monday through Friday and weekend. Eh, I'll, I'll get on there when I can get on there. But yeah. during the week, you will see me get a lot of those news stories up constantly. Yeah, and I love to post like different images and things like that. So it, it's it's fun. Um, don't be afraid to post anything yourself. If you see a news story we haven't seen before, definitely feel free to share it. Uh, post your opinions. Um Post recommendations, post whatever you would like. That's what it's there for. It is there for us to interact with you throughout the run of the show. And definitely share it with anybody you know is a fan of these shows. Uh, we highly encourage you to uh, share the podcast with them as well. But if you just share the page, uh, that's a huge help at the same time. So we can all interact together. And we can love these shows and uh, follow these shows together. But that is Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, same as the name of the podcast. Very easy number. Uh, but on top of that, uh, again, I can be found this podcast as well as others on the Next Level Podcast Network, nextlevelradioonline.com, on Twitter, at NXT Level Radio. I looked into DC Primetime on Twitter, and somebody has it. Uh, and they've tweeted once, and it was back in, like, 2008. <laughs> so that kind of ticks me off that, you know, it was taken. Um uh, and the showcast, which we usually do um, every week as well, uh, is reformatting starting after this Labor Day weekend. We are going strictly to interviews. Uh, but I'm looking forward to that because the interviews were our favorite part of it. Now we're focusing just on the interviews, which means we can focus on bigger interviews. We can focus on more interviews, which is awesome. So if you like celebrity interviews, definitely check out the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network as well. Uh, as for me, you can find me at CaffeineCrew.com. Uh, while not much is going on there, and honestly, you're not going to even see a lot of links because I think we're getting ready to make the shift very, very quickly. Um, so you can still find out ca- uh, find Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods. If you just search in any of your podcast uh, apps out there, if you just look for them, uh, you'll find it. The recent episode is recently just up, and more than likely, uh, probably in the next two three weeks, Ben will start be getting chunks of files for me to start putting up over there at next level uh next level radio online.com um but you can always still uh, message me at uh, facebook at caffeine crew on twitter at the caffeine crew or email me at the caffeine crew at gmail.com cool uh i think that's it um i'm very pleased with the way this this annual this gotham annual went i was a little uh a little nervous because again as you had mentioned in the beginning it, it's been a little bit of time yeah so. but most of it came flooding back pretty quickly yeah uh, and and I'm looking forward to next week with Gotham Annual 2 because, uh, again, we, we made mention of it a couple times that the second season was definitely a stronger season than the first. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about it. So next week, uh, as Robin mentioned earlier, it'll be posted a little bit later than usual as we won't get to record until Tuesday. But uh, next week, Gotham Annual number 2. So I'm looking forward to it. Then after that, we've got... To fill that gap, I think, uh, the week before the shows kick off. Unless we end up recording the other one late just to be able to get in uh, Gotham. But we'll figure that one out. We'll talk to you guys all about that next week. But more than likely, we'll we'll just do a little fill-in show 
right before everything kind of kicks off with a boom. And I think it'll probably be just recapping what we know and what we're expecting because that week is the premiere of Gotham Season 3. So um, we might just spend a couple minutes, maybe 20 minutes to a half hour. And I know anytime we say that, we go an hour. Yeah. Um, but we'll probably but, just recap what we know and what we're expecting to see and, and stuff like that. So if you have anything you want to contribute to that, uh, please feel free to post on the Facebook page and let us know. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, but that's going to wrap things up for this week. Uh, I'll beat Rob to it. Thanks again to... Uh, oh, no, we're not using George Shaw this week. No, I, I think we're, we're, we're doing something different and whatever you've found, basically. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Um, so that's going to wrap things up for this issue, the Gotham Annual 1. Uh, we will see you guys next week for Gotham Annual 2. Until then, take care. Peace. <laughs>